there's demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside Slasher, September, watching Slashers in September Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Tex Chris Dave Saw Massacre, kicking off a very exciting month this month. It is Slasher uh-huh. September. Slasher September. We're going to spend the entire month just doing slasher films. Yeah. Yeah, basically limiting our content. Uh-huh. Special for you. <laughs> exactly. And we reached out on Twitter, and we got a lot of great suggestions. We're going, yeah. we're going to do some that we choose ourselves, but most of them are going to be directly from you, ones that mm-hmm. you think we should be watching. Yeah, you guys just flooded us with really great suggestions and Mm -hmm. a lot like overlap too yeah so like we could you know really pick the obvious winners yeah it clearly stand it clearly stood out which ones we should be watching um to fill in the gaps because most of the slashers that we've watched are naturally 90s slashers yeah yeah we've watched like the scream era yeah slashers and and then like for um the in the interest of like doing big franchises we've gone back and we've done the friday the 13th or we've begun them um halloween we've touched on we've touched on nightmare on elm street um but yeah this is this is us going to not do the whole uh start a new franchise thing but rather go into the genre itself you know as it swirled around in the 80s yeah specifically that golden age of slashers which is apparently around 78 to 84 we're gonna go into that zone specifically Mm -hmm. and hit all the gems that we have not seen yet yeah and and this is going to be really fun for me. I, like I've said a few times, I don't do a lot of slashers on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I get to jump in. I haven't seen a lot of these. A lot of those we're going to do this month are brand new to me. Absolutely. Same, I don't think I've seen any of them. Ooh. Yeah. Same, same with you, right? Have you Out of the five that we've chosen from the suggestions, have you seen any of them? Technically not. No. Technically not. Gotcha. <laughs> fun little tease. Um, so today we are doing 1980s Maniac. She's a maniac, maniac. Directed by William Lustig. <laughs> you just want to breeze by that, you son of a bitch. Uh, $350,000 budget. Made $10 million. Say that again. Uh, Let's not gl- gloss over that fact. The fact that it was a huge success made $10 million for only 350 k budget. And as I kind of looked ahead at some of the other budgets, this is just a thing for that time period like those slasher movies made a ton of money in the early 80s yeah they're made for very cheap and they just brought in huge bucks so all the studios yeah exactly that's that's what i'm getting is that there's some classic amazing slashers back then yeah you know were really good artsy movies you know texas chainsaw is one yeah one one that even non-horror fans could identify and bring to mind or recognize exactly and then there was also like it was a clear clearly incentivized to like make these types of movies Mm-hmm. no money lots of money coming in yeah no matter how bad they were and there's so many bad ones i'd like to add yeah well even i mean this one has got um 43 on rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. but it's beloved people seem to love this one this wasn't one that was a suggestion but it's one that i see on a ton of lists of greatest horror movies of all time yeah yeah uh fair enough i think um looking into that a little deeper it's uh when it came out it was just horrifically perverse and and bloody and violent to women you know mm-hmm. just just kind of hard to stomach and i feel like the director um if i read correctly um 
came off uh, making some pornography films. He sure did. <laughs> Directed porn and used his porn profits to make this movie. I don't know why I read that as well. And as you say it, both of them, it sounds like the buildup is like used his pornography skills. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. I don't know. I haven't, yeah. haven't seen this. What did yet. he learn from all his, from his tenure as a porn director? Yeah, but that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome that he used all the cash to to make a horror film. That that was, you know, a passion project of his. Yeah. That filming fucking wasn't <laughs> fulfilling enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how to look at it, but like, you know, taking the profits from an industry at the time that historically probably wasn't so kind to women and then used it to make a, a piece of artwork that was <laughs> that in, depicted violence yeah. against women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a, a psychopath troubled by his childhood abuse, loose in New York City, kills young women and takes their sculpts as his trophy. You know what? You're right, man. Yeah. It's a little dark. Um <laughs> the sexual depiction of woman was enough for him that he's like oh, this, is, this just isn't scratching an itch for me i just want them Not to be scalped enough. i want them to oh, be killed jesus christ why, why are we watching this one uh you know it's beloved <laughs> uh will he find the perfect woman in a photographer and end his killing spree yeah i hope so i hope, I hope he, he i hope he does this is one of those ones, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of great, super cool murderer movies and true crime kind of stuff. This is one where I would like him to kind of hang up the gloves. At least on the information we have so far. Yeah. <laughs> he went on to make Maniac Cop. I, I saw that. Was, and two sequels to Maniac Cop, but no sequels to Maniac. But Maniac Cop and Maniac are not... I have no idea. Does he go on to become a cop? I doubt it. Me too. <laughs> and those ones are all written by Larry Cohen, who's kind of famous and notorious for these kind of pulpy B-level movies that have mm. just really bizarre, catchy concepts. Yeah. I went and saw, he had one movie called God Told Me To that played at the Royal the other year that I went and checked out. Uh -huh. And the whole thing is like, a dude is on top of a tower and he's sniping everyone and he's about to kill himself and jump off. And the, the cops come up and they're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And the guy goes, God told me to, and then kills himself. And they just keep finding people who are doing the exact uh, same kind of thing, inflicting violence, saying God told them to, and then killing themselves. And it goes in insane, whoa. insane, extra bizarre level directions by the end of it. But I'm, I'm riveted. That yeah. Sounds... And apparently this guy partnered up with Larry Cohen to make three maniac cop movies. Huh? And then really didn't really do much else. That's kind of his legacies movies with maniac in the title. It kind of makes me want to know about maniac cop. Hmm. Because, well, luckily we have a lot yeah. of scare and tells this month. Right. <laughs> There's going to be a lot. Plenty of room for maniac cops of all sorts. Am I allowed? Okay. So should I do all slashers or avoid them? I'm, I'm going all slashers. You're going all slashers. Yeah. So this month we're going to talk about from your baby. When we talked slash. about this, you were yeah. like, I'm doing it. I'm fucking doing it all month. I'm like, all right, I'm into but the, Then you made a good case that like, there's only so many slashers. Don't, <laughs> don't use them all. Okay. I, th I think we're fine. I think that we'll even if we scare and tell slashers for years, we would not exhaust right. all the possible slasher movies that we could talk about. So I think for one month, we're good. We'll be fine. Also, Tom Savini is in this movie. Mm -hmm. As a minor role, you saw that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I read a little, a little deeper into this one. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Tom, Tom Savini, I guess we'll probably have to talk about it more after the movie. But uh, just like in um, Dawn of the Dead, he gets he does both makeup and plays a role oh he did the, the makeup for this one yeah. too yeah. oh yeah. awesome mm -hmm. and it's yeah, what cool a, little tidbits yeah what a fun 
fun like way to be a part of a production like first of all yeah you're doing the makeup for it but also mm-hmm. you get thrown a small little yeah. piece of acting in the film as well that's what an awesome way yeah to be part I, of it. I think that though like the fact that we see tom savini do that in two separate instances of two very low budget movies mm-hmm. i think that's like a not a cutting corners type thing but like a way to like most effectively use your budget is to have very enthusiastic cast members who will you know fulfill multiple roles where they can like totally. that's, how, that's how you get away with three hundred fifty thousand dollars yeah i mean but it's a testament to his talent too that yeah. first of all he's an incredible makeup artist but also <laughs> that he can do a character role like as good as anyone else yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's pretty cool i'm oh. i'm very excited to see tom savini totally uh, we're gonna see his handlebar mustache mm-hmm. what is it gonna be a mullet what's it gonna be mm-hmm. i mean when was so dawn of the dead was two years before this so it was just a couple years after yeah 78 yeah. right yeah yeah Okay, a couple years later, I wonder if he's grown. Maybe a full beard. Maybe. No, probably not. I hope that handlebar mustache is kind of hanging off of his face. Isn't it like a, a kind of like a full? Does he have it down to the chin? Full goatee? Uh, for some reason, I'm apparently locked on handlebar mustache, but <laughs> it could very well be a go- goatee. Sounds right as well. Yeah, I don't know. He's just got one of those faces. One yeah. of those weird looking faces. Could be like maybe his IMDb pictures with the handlebar mustache, maybe. and that's why my brain's locked on it. Maybe. All right. Well, may as well move on to a segment that we like to call "Scare and Tell." Scare and Tell. Kick it off, Dave Saw. Cool. Um, I'll do the scare and tell. If you could just real quick run that uh, that audio cue you got. Uh, the scare and tell one? Uh, not the scare and tell one. The real funny one that you did. No, hold on. Not, not the slasher. <laughs> September. Watching slashers in September. <laughs> no, uh, I see that's the one you want, right? No. Um, you want it twice? So. She's a maniac, maniac on the floor. So this week for Scantel, <laughs> I watched Maniac. Very nice. The uh, the remake from 2015, I believe. 2012? 2012 is more what I meant to say. Yeah, with uh, main character Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. Is this the one done? Because I know he has like a horror production company of sorts, right? With a few Elijah friends. Elijah Wood? Yeah. Oh, that is an excellent question. So I, I, didn't, want, I didn't look into the production, but... I wonder if this is one that he and his friends um, maybe remade together. He he's done. Isn't um, the Oxford Murders that would have been in the same general time frame and probably production company? Then hmm. that was another little Elijah Wood right. killing movie. One of you out there knows exactly what's going on here, and we'll figure it out for next time. But yeah, whatever. Um, so for now, I, I'm gonna have to try to not say too much because I actually um, watched this very early on in the inception of our idea for slasher september yeah but just right before we came up with this idea yeah i just wanted to watch it because elijah wood is, is in it and i think he's weird and creepy and that was the draw did you know That's it was it. a remake at that time no gosh you just went and saw this movie i just went and threw it on yeah and it was great it's really fun and what i've read through and the little bits and pieces that i've read through about the original is i think they're I think it's a pretty faithful remake in a lot of ways mm. that's taken its own its own liberties. That would be my question. Is is it going to be a different ending? Uh, I, I'm i not sure. I feel like based on a couple spoilers, I might have gotten that the ending is very similar, mm. um, which is cool if, if it all plays out the way I think it will. So I'm very excited to see this one. Um, the remake is so good. And the most interesting thing about it is the entire movie or like 99.9% of it is shot in killer POV. Hmm. So, um, like the whole thing is through uh, like Elijah Wood's perspective. So that necessitated a really interesting like filming progression where Elijah Wood was on set every day following the camera around. 
like and like moving so he would like he had his own little like physical commands for moving the camera guy faster and slower and all his little things because he was sort of acting with the director and camera person so he didn't direct it but he played a huge role in all those killer pov shots yeah yeah even though he's not in the frame he's not in the frame but he's like he's the one like sort of like emoting and like getting like agitated and then finally he'll run across the room or something so he needed to sort of like lead that so he was just an integral part of the actual filmmaking wow see that would make sense that it was his production company to make so to be able to make a creative choice like that yeah and elijah wood like when uh, in little like bits and pieces talking about it like identified as like it was an incredibly unique experience like this Mm. was he almost seemed like wow to be brought into something like this so i'm not sure how much control he had over it or, or you know how how much involvement there but as far as the actual shots how they were laid out like he was so integral in that which is super interesting and yeah, they get really a, cool. they get away with a lot of really creepy and interesting things because of that and it also makes it a little easier to talk about without spoiling the things that happen thank you for that yeah but <clears throat> it is because of the fact that it's killer pov at all times it is intensely gory mm. intensely gory and uh so i mean the same this the remake has the same criticism as the original as being like you know just such a so violent to women like just that exploitation like feeling right so i mean watching it like i got that too i was a little like uncomfortable well i was incredibly uncomfortable maybe is a better way to say it but the fact that it's all killer pov and it has it feels almost found footage because of that but it's all very stable and well produced it's it's a great watch so the artistic elements elevated it above totally and the violence totally and and if anything i think as a horror experience the the pov shooting is distracting Mm -hmm. a little bit but the fact that they commit to the gimmick and that the main character is so involved with the actual physical filmmaking makes it that much more interesting right as well as the few instances where he's revealed like via mirrors and you know other reflections and looking at his own body and stuff huh yeah, the gore is great and sort of the dreamlike stuff that he sees because he's so depraved and detached. It's great. His performance is great. I loved it. I thought it was fan-fucking-tastic. Wow, that sounds super interesting. Yeah, it was awesome. And I would actually I would advise watching it after, really? after we do this one. Totally. I think you'd like it a lot. Nice, man. Especially the ending. The ending's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a, a lot of tease, mm-hmm. a lot of teasing with a very small amount of information, which is great for a movie we're watching the original of. Yeah. And, and right it, now. so like to just summarize it, that's what makes it so different is the way that it's shot and you can get lost in that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't even need to say anything that happens because we're about to see it. Absolutely. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah. Uh, so I took Juiced Dentuma on Twitter's suggestion to do a Giallo film. Mm-hmm. How can I resist? Who's surprised by that? Raise your hands. No one. No one's hands are raised. <laughs> Everyone's surprised. Um, oh, my God. Four, four Flies on Grey Velvet, which is one of the early Argento films that I have not yet seen. Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Yeah, it's part of his Animal Trilogy, which was the first three movies he did before Deep Red, which is when right. kind of the key Argento years really begin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had seen Bird with Crystal Plumage. I hadn't seen the other two. This is the third one. Um, yeah, there's a lot to like. Uh it's about this drummer and the opening shot is like a whole jam session. That's really, really cool. Okay. And like shot really well, kind of brings to mind whiplash, obviously. And the drummer, as he's drumming, there's this fly. It's like such incredible foreshadowing and you know, the flies in the title. So, you know, it's going to be a part of it. Yeah. And this fly keeps like landing on different parts of his drum and he keeps trying to like kill the fly. 
And that's the whole opening scene over the credits is him like just trying to like playing this full song and then not successfully killing this fly. And at the end, it lands right between his symbols and he's able to satisfyingly just step on the symbols and just squishes it beautifully and then raises and he looks at the dead fly. Incredible opening. Oh, I like that. So this drummer just keeps noticing that this guy is kind of stalking him and following him. Guy with kind of shades, a mustache, and a fedora. Classic bad man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just total run of the mill. And he chases him down one day and confronts him. And is like, why are you following me or whatever? Gets him like a little tussle with him in a theater. Like chases him into an empty theater. Sure. And then the guy draws a knife on him. He's like, stay away, stay away. And he ends up killing this guy that was stalking him just like in just the heat of the moment and then just them wrestling and tossing around. Yeah. And then someone from the balcony is photographing and taking pictures of him killing that guy that was stalking him. So now he's like, shit, someone has a photo of me accidentally killing this person. And okay. then okay. the movie kind of plays out from there. He's like at a house party and he just finds the photographs there. Someone left for him. Uh, and just like, you know, your standard yellow, you just, you get lots of red herrings of who you think this killer. Yep is and other people kind of keep getting killed and okay so other okay yeah so there's other killings there's other killings happen from beyond there absolutely so we're probably meant to assume that it's from the photographer exactly you try putting all the pieces it gets real meandry which is a little grating and some of the acting performances are really kind of terrible but there are just certain sequences and scenes like argento clearly gets super passionate about specific scenes and how they play out and like puts a lot into them and then a lot of other things he just kind of seems to just brush right by and does not give time and attention in terms of performances and scenes and bats and bats (laughs) so it gets really it's really hot and cold uh at the end it is still very exciting overall and i think a Mm -hmm. worthwhile watch especially if you're a fan of argento and good giallo films so you've seen two of three of the of the, the early animal trilogy yeah, and yeah. so far what's the best oh the bird two? with crystal, crystal plumage for sure the okay. first one i mean that is one that really it was kind of it had the effect in italy that halloween had in north america that instantly uh, right away all the other studios were like holy shit we can make a lot of money doing this and we could easily replicate that and it just spawned so many other giallo films that came out after it okay including from himself so this one was only like i think one year later then burned mm. with crystal plumage and there was another one in between so he's what? <laughs> he's pounding them out really quickly at this point and it, it shows it, it it's too bad because i think this one has a lot of potential even to be remade like there's a lot of really cool ideas yeah i, I gotta admit like when you're just talking about the setup i was like and then what yeah I, totally and I could just listen to that story and, and then what is the perfect experience of watching a lot of giallos mm, like, yeah yeah and I think their legacy, really, we were watching Law & Order SVU last night, and I think that's kind of what it has become, like the idea of a crime procedural okay. where throughout the hour, you get a lot of misleading plot turns, uh-huh. right? Like you think, oh, is this guy the bad guy? Oh, is this guy the bad guy? To eventually land on, nope, this was the person all along. I get it. And it's all okay, about yeah, how yeah. creative the twists and turns are. That's that's the pleasure from watching these movies, from watching Giallo's. And I do enjoy that but for me like i've said before on the podcast what really elevates it for me is when you add a supernatural element like make it weird make it weird and that's what argento (laughs) really does with phenomena with suspiria with inferno yeah and that for me is what just makes a giallo incredible but it's it's still fun to watch these so well yeah i mean phenomena is just yeah that's nuts greatest (laughs) it's so good it's so nuts um yeah there's a really insane 
Because <laughs> you have to get as creative as possible to make your gel stand out. Yeah, like there's got to be like something nuts, like a monkey. With exactly. A, there's always some. Yeah, there's always some fun, weird concept, and that's how you make yours interesting. Otherwise, yeah. they're just so paint by numbers that it's gonna be totally lost in time, and people aren't gonna appreciate it. Totally. So one of the weird elements they add in this one is the pseudoscience that the moment you die your eye actually leaves like an imprint of the last thing you saw when you were killed and this is how they catch the killer so they take the eyeballs out of one of the corpses and they run the scanning thing to show Uh the image of the last Uh thing that person (laughs) saw before they die and that helps them find the killer in the end but it's just such a zany thing that that'll be kind of what i remember most from this movie probably Jeez, that like that concept alone is like the the key element in like so many science fiction stories where artificial intelligence exists and like a robot you know or computer or ai system or something like that when it's just you know sabotaged or something or whatever the last thing that those cameras or its eyes see yeah becomes the key that like that's a really cool thing i mean that's a a piece of technology that is a recording device that makes sense but i mean like you know back then when that doesn't exist you're right it it predates yeah predates that kind of idea yeah it's like the ancient dinosaur to the modern bird that is sci-fi yeah the t-rex to our pigeon or downtown toronto pigeons <laughs> to the mighty pigeon yeah yeah that's that's really cool so i, I gotta admit like just that one specifically it sounds very very interesting totally but it's like an hour and 50 minutes oh, and no. there's just a Boom. lot of stuff in between where you just tune right out like you just meet right. characters that you're like this is such a tangent why why is he here and that person's not even really a good actor so that's hmm. those aspects are frustrating about it but the the pleasing aesthetic moments especially that opening shot which i feel like he must have spent so much more time that's so good there's so many different camera setups and yeah it's great of course i can just see it like and a creepy mask at one point too of course hell yeah that's (laughs) all part of it jalo baby all part of it yeah all right well that brings us i guess to the steven christery this steven christery we watched one year ago today dog soldiers dog soldiers hell yeah Mm -hmm. suggestion by my old brother yeah your brother suggested we watch that one so we went into the woods with davos oh man that was great uh the thing i remember most about that movie is several scenes here and there but in a macro way is just that every they destroyed every part of that set oh yeah that they had i think when he shot the gun and they fell through the floor like I'm, i'm seeing lots of bits of stuff with the werewolf but like them like tearing wall or like pieces of wood off the wall and crawling through it and Mm -hmm. then getting in the closet thing and then shooting through the floor like all that shit was so much fun that's what i think of most when i think of dog soldiers now yeah and i feel like that was just the last half hour of it right i feel like it was a little big final act yeah yeah exactly and that was what was most exciting was that final act oh definitely and some people love this some people love this movie it wasn't as exciting for me but yeah it was remember that crazy opening shot with like all those like dizzying cuts that made no sense that. oh yeah 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 because it was just like innocuous soldiers walking through the woods it was like cut 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 yeah. cut 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 yeah it was so distracting and jarring <laughs> like, what's happening is this what the movie's like i'll turn it off right now no no like, the, the editor clearly ran out of his cocaine after yeah. doing the first <laughs> the first scene and putting that in the can then yeah. he moved on and just had to do it you know like a normal person <laughs> i i love that movie like i mean in the way that i love all silly ass movies where somebody turns back to the werewolf in the back seat and says i hope i give you the shits mm-hmm. you know it's great it's fun and i think it would be fun to watch on the big screen in a big way yeah yeah, yeah that'd be great oh another thing about four flies on velvet tell is me about it i should totally praise the performance from 
the main female in that movie the drummer's girlfriend mm-hmm. she is incredible in it um and she's actually also in this movie called autopsy which is part of a triple feature that's happening here in town this weekend that we might go check out yeah that's really cool so what's the lineup it's uh planet of the vampires followed by demons yeah followed by autopsy i like i don't know who these people are or why they're doing this way at the theater way over there kingsway theater they just started this thing like last week it's called fear is free fridays every friday they're just showing free horror movies fucking balling and they're doing a triple feature which is amazing we don't even have like groups do double features here in the city so i hope this is a start of something regular yeah i hope it, i hope a lot of people go yeah because yeah. all of you scaredy cats in california new york we get to hear all about your amazing horror double features that just happened that you can go to the theater and watch incredible all movies back to back yeah so it's nice that yeah potentially we have this happening here in toronto and a triple that's so cool on a friday night yeah what's better than that yeah and it's i think it's like i don't know what that third movie is i hope it's bonkers but it's nice to start with planet of the vampires a little slower mm. then kick into demons in high gear yeah. and then follow up by one that we haven't seen fucking great should be great i'm super excited awesome all right let's get uh depraved chris oh yeah i should hit that button huh which one is that again yeah let me grab the chainsaw here ah there it comes all right so i think it's about that time we watch the dang old movie maniac let's put it on all right cheers cheers i'm gonna pull this cord So what happened with the photographer? She, she, I guess, got away and then called the cops and that's, that's how... Yeah, that's what right. I imagine happened. All right. And I, that was too much for the maniac to take that, oh, like one got away and that was, I guess, the snapping point for him. I don't know. I think maybe like when he got wounded by the shovel and started bleeding. Right. I, I think just like there was a bit of a manic overload. <laughs> and yeah he started like having flashbacks to like his mom locking him in the, the cupboard or something and yeah harry potter style um and <laughs> the he, maniac who lived <laughs> and he yeah he, he started freaking out there just holding his arm like unable to move he staggers home yeah no one ever i guess no one ever fought him back like that so it was just yeah. jarring for him to be wounded and he wasn't even tending to those wounds he was just yeah. kind of like clenching yeah himself and i think he lost a lot of blood and he goes home and he just dies of that Mm -hmm. and has this like crazy vision which is an awesome vision that's a great it's a great great moment yeah great ending awesome makeup there yeah special effects yeah well done great job tom yeah and uh um so a couple interesting facts about that specifically centered on tom savini um is that like he kind of got his role and i feel like this is somewhat similar to um his role in dawn of the dead is out of somewhat convenience Mm -hmm. but like i don't know if he just had it because he had it but he had a mold of his own head and that character was going to get his head exploded. So rather than hiring another actor, he's like, I got a mold back home. We can just use yeah. that. And they filled it with fake blood and leftover food. Amazing. Yeah. And then blew yeah, I always wonder about how they, how they, how they do that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And that's, that scene is amazing. Yeah. It's it like, it actually is really tense and looks great when mm-hmm. you're inside the car and the guy stands on the hood he, and has the shotgun going down the lens of the camera. Just that's down incredible. On, on one knee hood of the car yeah. aims the shotgun. in. yeah, that was a really, really scary visual. It was great. It, it looked really good. Yeah. I love that it. moment. And it's cool because that's one of the few moments, you know, a kill's coming because it switches from the perspective of him yes. to a victim, right? Mm-hmm. It just goes to someone who's not him. And you're like, Oh, they're about to get Guess fucked this up. is going to happen. And he, he starts with like stranglings. Those are the easy kills to get, get yourself going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he moves up into like using weapons and stuff, but like the fucking shotgun 
he's just like well subtlety fuck that absolutely and i mean he then like we don't see the head explosion guess they like you said didn't have the money for that one either yeah but we don't see him killing that that female right in the car she's just kind of lying down and he aims the gun at her and then it cuts away yeah but he wouldn't have been able to use her scalp if he theoretically shot her face like he did to tom savini it seemed like he shot her face yeah i, I don't yeah because we saw very why, clearly what happens there yeah which is why he would have switched then to the sword he's like hmm shotgun too yeah. messy i wonder if he learned from that he's yeah like, mm, <laughs> did make things a lot harder but i think he did walk away with that scalp so maybe he aimed down and just did hmm. a did a neck chest kind of thing yeah well, that's what we hope it would be a waste i mean he probably already bought the mannequin yeah I, I, in those types of movies like i just can't imagine that one of the sequences it was like and he didn't end up getting away with the scalp that time because he exploded it with the gun mm-hmm. <laughs> he, went, ah, he just fucked up uh, but i mean like we we really largely watched this as a comedy like we were laughing yeah. our way through a lot of it so we kept just <laughs> superimposing and dictating what where we wanted those scenes to go because uh-huh. we think this movie would be hilarious as a comedy and for that scene it would have been hilarious just if he was like picking up the pieces of the scalp and like no no <laughs> no. no this doesn't work what <laughs> and then i picture him like holding like imagine like your grandmother watching jeopardy sitting in the rocking chair just doing needlepoint just putting the needle up through pulling pulling the thread just yeah, going was, like um it, day after tomorrow yeah. i think it's day after tomorrow <laughs> yeah i like him just on tv watching jeopardy and just having pieces of the scalp and like it looked like he had a thumbtack that he was using to get the mm-hmm. Like, scalps on the mannequin's head some, oh. something sort of nail yeah. attack yeah. i like like 17 pieces of scalp and he's trying to get them all in but he's getting frustrated because they're not yeah. one falls off perfectly. he's got to put it back on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in his vision when everyone kind of comes back to life that that mannequin person is just kind of walking in circles deliriously and <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah he's just like not all together because the head was blown up yeah, yeah that zombie is just like has a messed like, up uh, shape uh, oatmeal head yeah exactly <laughs> and just keeps like smashing into a wall in the corner courtney while, come on while right. the rest courtney courtney he used the shotgun on her it's there's no hope yeah, yeah we don't t- just don't talk to her she's weird yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean that was the one head explosion that we really got and then and uh to just talk to hop in a little bit trivia about that specific uh-huh. that scene it's really cool um, of that just, final scene yeah and i'm actually just going to read right from wikipedia because this is just fun this is a fun little let's hear it yeah <clears throat> uh um, the infamous sequence where frank murders the boyfriend played by tom savini was loosely inspired by the son of sam murders committed by serial killer david right Berkowitz, yes, yes who shot people in parked cars with a 44 special revolver savini who served as the film's makeup artist received the role for the male victim from him already having made a cast of his own head <laughs> which was filled inside with leftover food and fake blood since savini used live ammunition for the scene he immediately threw the shotgun into the truck of a waiting car driven by an assistant luke walter who is a friend of uh to avoid being caught by the police so they were filming this without permits oh and using live ammunition it's insane out- outdoors so, so they, we actually like there, there was a getaway driver but they actually shot that yeah, thing in the car yeah that wasn't like an, a rigged explosive or whatever he actually fired a shotgun at yeah the head yeah so the son of sam was one revolver but he clearly used a shotgun, he used a shotgun like, to make it his own yeah and then we're like get it the fuck out here in case someone hears yeah. that sound and comes back here and yeah. then we can say oh it was like a 
controlled thing. Don't exactly. worry about it. Oh, yeah, oh my God. Little... So he throws the shotgun in the truck and then the guy takes off. That's incredible. That is like next level guerrilla filmmaking. Yeah. Isn't that fucking <laughs> yeah. crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. So then um, I like fa- as I was watching this movie, I factored that in a few times. You're like, they just seem like they're not being incredibly careful. So mm-hmm. even that little that final um, driving sequence when the police are just driving to his house after he's been killed. Yeah. There's like people on the road and stuff and there's just a camera on the dashboard of the police car. Totally. And they're flying. They're driving pretty fast. I'm like, oh man, you could easily smash into cars and shit. Like you just don't often see that perspective on a car, you know, unless they're on like some sort of crazy racetrack. Yeah. This is a 1980s movie made for 350K that they clearly were not being careful. They did not, they were not legally allowed to have that siren and that light on there. Probably like, Let's just do this for a few blocks. Yeah. And then we'll cut it and then we'll be good and that'll be it. Exactly, dude. That's what it feels like. We'll do it super early in the morning so no one's around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they did not get waivers from any people walking yeah. around in the background or in the parks. Clearly. This ranks. <laughs> Uh, with monsters as like the two movies where they just didn't pay for permits yes. yeah yeah <laughs> and got an amazing product in those moments for it yeah you know it paid off it totally did i love that um so comparing this to the remake like they're yeah, yeah, they're yeah. very very similar it follows an incredibly similar in terms of even like scenes and characters yeah. like do you have that same kind of end scene in the remake i really want you to see it all right because yeah don't don't spoil it i'll yeah. check that out they've taken liberties with how it ends like mm. or, or they did their own thing with it. It's so good. Honestly, like I, I kind of wanted them to just end there. Like part of me yeah. just loves that. It's just a weird ending. Like he kind of, sure. and left leaving it open to the viewer of, you don't know if he's hallucinating it or if like, you know, this is supposed to represent the revenge of these women kind of coming for him. Yeah. Like I, w- I would have liked that would have given something for me to chew on at the end a little bit. I like that. But then you also like the fact that that is basically happening, but sort of in his own subconscious. And we've been given a pretty good build up to like how detached this guy is from reality, how he sort of fades mm-hmm. in and out of being this like weeping, like mama's boy, like totally. in his childhood to a, a sort of like master of disguise who can like put on a show and be a real, like, I don't know gentleman casanova type yeah that's i mean we got to get into that too and then that final when the cops do walk in and how he's got his hand on the like he pushed the blade in Mm -hmm. like i I, there's something i really like about that Mm. you know we get that intense gore like they don't shy away from doing that whole sequence rather than you could have done the suggestion um ending by doing that sequence and they just surround him and then there's some blood and that's it. Mm-hmm. But instead they cut off his arm, you know, they stabbed the shit out of him. No, like, I, yeah, I like loved all that. I, I loved all that like gore stuff. But yeah, I just, with that kind of ending of the cops coming in and seeing him there and being like, oh no, no, mm-hmm. it was, don't worry viewer. It was, there's don't no worry. question about <laughs> it. Like that was clearly a hallucination. Okay. Like that's, that's just a little too spoon foody for me in a subgenre that's already very sure. very much grounded in realism and i like a little bit of surrealism in horror movies yeah and totally, this is something totally. that we might kind of see just as we watch so many slashers this month right. in general is that if you just have kind of a straightforward slasher that doesn't leave as much for the imagination at least for myself to get really yeah. scared and excited unless Fair. you have like really good fun creepy shots of the killer or something like that you know what i mean yeah no i I totally get what you're saying um and we do get that in moments from this movie not it's Mm -hmm. not consistent and for how short it is it does drag in in some moments Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i feel like you could edit this down to an hour 10 yeah it just i mean you just get and this is a trap that all slasher movies with a killer are gonna have to like it's a challenge all of them have to face is how do you make each new kill something different and exciting and interesting to watch whereas a lot of the kind of stalking scenes that we saw in this movie 
they were almost interchangeable. Like it could mm-hmm. be like, oh, then this is his next victim. Oh, and this is his next victim. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he happens across them too. Like there's not sort of any precedent for us to get attached to these people. They no, are not at all. Just random. Totally random. Yeah. And in fact, I was just getting lost. I'm like, oh, did you kill the photographer? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, no, yeah, that was check in. That wasn't her. I'm like, oh, okay. There. Now she's dead. Nope. That was another one. That was another different person. Yeah, there's not like a there wasn't like a, a larger satisfying plot to kind of tie all this together. It just was straight up. And I guess for a lot of people that might be what's so scary about this one hmm. is that he just truly is just an arbitrary maniac that yeah. he kind of seems to go in and out of yeah, being this incredibly charming, sociable person that can just just seems totally mm. grounding and disarming. Like you could just yeah. hang out and chat with him yeah. to just snapping into these trances where he thinks the woman in front of him is his mother and he has to kill her for he, locking her away, but he doesn't want to be apart from his mom at he, the same time. I, I picked this up just because it was like a theme in the remake Both as well. Them, right? But um, early on, because of these traumas that he experienced these sort of sexual traumas in his childhood Mm -hmm. experience at the hand of his mother who was a prostitute that's what he was talking about with like so many men he's talking about having to process that and being like sent off to his little cupboard or whatever he had to hide in while his mom was with the men yeah so like that's what like that's what causes him to be so weird Mm -hmm. and whatever and so then when he gets to this place this heightened like sexual place he's so confused about it he snaps into that mode yeah um exactly so and he says i think the line is it's something along along the lines of like beauty is a crime that needs to be punished or punished by death or something like that man yeah so it's he's clearly got some sort of like messed up relationship to sex and his mother and all that freudian stuff yeah um and murdery stuff and the most violent possible outcomes of that trauma Yeah. yeah and he wants for whatever reason that manifests as like he sees uh i guess relationships as impermanent and wants to save people like preserve the them as they were mm-hmm. uh, and that's why he relates to this photographer a little bit because she's doing the same thing but as a normal person and he's doing it as a scalper yeah <laughs> and he's able to kind of like just be normal with her for the longest period of time compared to all the mm-hmm. other women that he meets and interacts with but yeah. he, he does turn on her in the last minute yeah and it's it's not as clear i'm like i i get this pretty clearly because i saw the remake and i read about you know everything right so i i'm able to put these themes together but like it's not obvious just watching the movie what they're trying to say about this guy or what happened to him yeah um but it's a little better it's more clear what his motivation is but in both movies the main character is really actually trying to find somebody like their motivation is to meet somebody that they love and can fill that void that doesn't exist because their mother died. Mm. Like, and yeah, they're trying to also fill the void of having no childhood happiness. Yeah. I can get that a little bit just because from his encounters with all of them at first, it does seem so genuine. Like it doesn't seem like someone in some cases it doesn't like the car obviously is just like straight up just kills people. Yeah. Right. right? But like at the, at the beginning, like when he's meeting the first woman, the sex worker, he goes in the hotel room, Mm. he's having like just genuine, like make out and connection with that person at first. It seems. Yeah. And the photographer, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all just like, he works himself up into this Mm -hmm. state, you know? Yeah. It's going to happen every time he gets to like romance and sexual feelings. Mm -hmm. It's going to always happen. You know, he, he can't, that's what the connection is in his brain. Right. But I think the the more sensible side of him that we saw in moments with only with the photographer was in response to the fact that he was trying to function totally and be a normal person. And they exist at the same time too. At some points, like he's there 
he bought the photographer a teddy bear. He's showing up yeah. at her photo shoot. But at the same time, while he's there for her, he's stealing the necklace of one of the models, yeah. knowing that later he's going to go track her down. And yeah. and he does not have a connection with her at all. He like kind of ties her up almost yeah. right away. And yeah, there and yeah. everyone else except the photographer is pretty much a random kill. Mm-hmm. And even even that um, the sex worker right in the beginning of the movie who offers him the ultimate for a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we had like take you around the world for 50 uh-huh. right uh no, yeah there, there were like four levels <laughs> it kept growing but already yeah. like i felt like the second level was just promising everything like it, it implied like from yeah. a sex perspective i would assume this would yeah. be everything you and then your, like there were two levels above exactly that. you got your basic package <laughs> 50 or yeah 20 bucks you want something special 50 yeah that'll that'll be it but you can also go around the world if you want. Plus, the room is 25, and if you want TV, it's another 10. <laughs> and $5 jacks. <laughs> yeah, it's this guy just had a... Bu- that was, like, a really funny long sequence of just kind of talking numbers. Like, <laughs> nothing was happening. It was. And I really did like... Um, just kind of the grimy aesthetic of a lot of these buildings. Mm-hmm. Like I like this old New York hotel. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I liked even his apartment was just, it was kind of gross. Like the wallpaper, there's scribble on the walls and everything. Yeah. 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 Well, it was very, very gross movie, but then also in his apartment, it was super colorful, like weirdly almost like, I don't know, like arcade colorful, like weird pink on the wall mm-hmm. and posters and the mannequins were all colored and had their different outfits and stuff. Like, yeah, that very... they were wearing right before they were, yeah, you know. exactly. he's dressed them up and and then preserving these people like man we had so what was interesting is that we just had no element of um the the crime investigation like we had no like police Mm. force that was trying to find clues put things together we really we had like a few like tvs playing in the background talking about it and a few looking at newspaper headlines but really we didn't that wasn't our business as the viewer of this movie at all like we're just with him the whole time and i can see why that would inspire in the sequel to be like just do the pov shots take it one step further you almost they almost committed to it in this movie the perspective Mm -hmm. is almost all his except for those killing sequence where they wanted to you know build some fear you want the victim's perspective there yeah but yeah you can see where they steered into it with the remake totally and we're yeah and we're like we're in his head and listening to his internal dialogue most of the time when he's like alone and then when he's getting to his manic state with the victims but once he's playing the charm game that internal dialogue shuts off and he's just kind of like a grounded person and then we don't get insight into that at all yeah and that's that's one area in where the movie angst that i talked about a few weeks ago the german or the sorry the austrian one yeah yeah yeah. it it leans into that even further and maybe that was inspired by maniac i wouldn't be surprised at all yeah the um the remake is a lot more like how you described angst Mm. wherein he's like he's talking to himself as he walks up to you know the door before he meets anybody yeah in in angst we're in his head nonstop. we we never don't hear his internal dialogue and him working through all the problems the entire way there's no there's no like ambiguity for like this character is ambiguous ambiguous to himself like he does sure, not yeah he snaps in and out of this trance he's trying to do fill this void like you said mm. but in angst he's fully aware of who he is and he knows what he has to do right. to fill that like desire that he has so I, I think they would make very good films to kind of compare and watch kind yeah. of back to back yeah. yeah and i mean i i had a good time watching this one i i i guess it's just when a movie hits you because mm. like, the remake did hit me and i wanted to 
you know, right. go back and fill it in with this one. Like when that happens and both the remake and the original are really good. Yeah. And they kind of stand in your mind. That's so much fun. I, I think a lot of the fun of this movie is in the character study. And yeah. like what yeah, we've yeah. been doing is like digging into his own psychology, trying to figure out what makes him tick. And a lot of that has been grounded by like just an awesome performance by this yeah, lead guy. Exactly. He's really great. It builds on you too, because in the beginning he doesn't say anything. He kind of nods when she finally suggests the ultimate for a hundred bucks and he follows him in. He doesn't say much about the hotel charging him money. You know, it, he just doesn't say anything. He lays on the bed and just looks up at the ceiling and doesn't say anything, tells her to like leave her clothes on. He's just so like just gross and un- mm-hmm. understandable at that moment. Yeah. And then it's this slow build, but it does build his, they, they focus on him so much. He's the killer, you know, it, his kills are seemingly random. So mm-hmm. the, it's just like, there's almost not a lot of story to tell in yeah. this movie. It is just people watching with an intensely horrific killer. And some of those people are baffling. I mean, when we, when the, <laughs> when the photographer sequences happen, I'd be curious to hear how this happens in the remake because it's a little bizarre that you know this photographer is taking a picture of this guy Mm. and just okay whatever like it's a subject she's going around she's looking for spontaneous subjects to merge for her to take photographs of yeah takes a photo of this guy as like a a child bikes into him and then just kind of walks away and moves on you know it's just one photograph of many that she (laughs) took and then like the next day or a few days later she's at her home and there's a knock at the door yeah and it's the guy who's like hey i'm i'm you took a photo of me in the park the other day and she goes oh come on in oh yeah no question of like um sorry how how do you know where i live yeah instead it was like oh i was just developing that right now yeah how fucking serendipitous (laughs) i'm not gonna think about that like what what are you talking about in what world would like anyone's response just instantly be like oh cool yeah i took a photo of you come into my home oh dude the naive 80s yeah yeah. everybody was just happy to pick up hitchhikers and walk into asylums and just whatever no threats there's no threats in the world (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> go so the, to the fun house yeah. why not as a kid and it was not only did she just overlook the fact that this guy somehow found out where she lived and mm-hmm. then went to her house but she just hits it off with him great right away and yeah. they start making their life plans together they sort out like oh, the yeah. next three days of what they're going to do <laughs> yeah and like there's immediately in that as well some like jealousy on his part which it, it turns out to be like a really great like metaphor for the fact that his mom had been with so many mm. like men so many johns right so many tricks um <laughs> that when he she's like come to the f- photo shoot and he's like there's gonna be a bunch of men there you know and he's like a little jealous about that right as uh, I, I like that that little thing it, it, it gets weird right away mm-hmm. but he's able to play it off he's cool enough in that moment because they actually have this connection yeah like i really like that because he's never cool any other time he's so weird he's just but he jumps out of the shadows so it doesn't matter yeah you know this is the long game with her is so interesting to watch and Mm -hmm. it starts out creepy but there's so many because he's so charming i guess absolutely forgive man i almost would have liked that to be more of the heart of the story like even just shave off one or two of the kills kind of near the start and make the focus of the film really just how much of a challenge this photographer is for him because he's now really Mm. torn with, you know, his urgent impulse and his inability to get close to anyone. Like, I feel like you could have spent way more time in that zone. Yeah. And, and you wonder if that's like what they were trying to do, but they didn't nail it for, you know, our perspectives because he was walking around. He's like, he can't, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You can't keep totally. He's had, he has all these thoughts. He brainstorms out loud in those scenes where he's on his own, which are frequent. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the remake as well, they do visit that concept more. They know to focus on it more and put a more contemporary mm. perspective on it as well. 
Man, I I just it'd be so different. I imagine to see this with Elijah Wood playing this kind of character because yeah. it's it's such a yeah. Like, I know it seems, it seems so fitting in this context with this Ron Jeremy looking motherfucker. Well, dude, that's who it is. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking mustache, the weird cheeks and chin. Yeah, big crazy black hair. That's him. Belly, charming oh, Ron Jeremy, massive penis. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're, we're really confused about the set location for a long time. Yeah, try, like it says New York, like right in like the log line, mm-hmm. I think. But but that beach was gigantic. I don't know. What, maybe there is. Maybe yeah. I'm just an idiot. But I can't. I can't picture like where a giant within, white beach it's like that. so giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah just so natural, like mm-hmm. untouched. Yeah, I, I don't know. And then we were never in like very densely urban populated areas like no. sure the hotel we just kind of had like a forward shot of the building it could yeah. have been anywhere oh they expertly didn't show any background no you know, any not like at all. S- we could very rarely see like the background city skyline only one time we had the twin towers in the shot mm-hmm. right and a few times we were looking across the river so i'm wondering if it's supposed to be taking place in like new jersey or something i i could not land on it's, where that would be yeah yeah could be very obvious it may be obvious to somebody watching but Mm -hmm. no i could not tell yeah but um on that white sand beach like that was a cool way to get things started yeah is like good little sequence of you know just people sleeping camping on a beach like you do with a blanket Mm -hmm. that's all you need which is i guess like i mean that's one of his more just impulsive random kills like there wasn't any moment of trying to connect it was just i'm gonna kill these two people yeah he he seems opportunistic like i i almost wish they addressed more because when they are talking about on the tv or radio they're talking about the how there are these five killings uh, mm-hmm. the bodies have been mutated or mutilated in a similar way so they think it's one guy doing it mm-hmm. and he's just like listening to that and talking to himself and the mannequins yeah that's great um <laughs> but like he you can tell there's the tiniest little bit of world building there where okay so theoretically all of the victims at this point can know that there's something creepy going on although they won't use that information to their benefit um of course but then you i don't know he becomes like a little bit more of a part of the city i I like that and that feeds into the fact that what he's doing is just random he's just getting who he can get like jumping out of the shadows no connection no paper trail yeah you know it's yeah crimes of passion like he's just out roaming the night looking for you know whatever he may find yeah like poughkeepsie tapes killer style (laughs) And yeah, that scene of the beach, I mean, when they showed his legs kicking as he was strangling him, oh, yeah, that yeah. was a freaky shot. Like, yeah. Oh that, yeah, because he was hanging up in the air. He was hanging up yeah. in the air and just the feet dangling and just like those last kind of bits of life in him. Like yeah. that to me, that shot and the shotgun on the hood of the car, I think that, were my two favorite That was my, shots my number one favorite is that that was really creepy. I yeah, really absolutely. love that screenshot. But yeah, so he, um, one little criticism about, uh, um, about those two murders mm-hmm. as well as the strangling that would happen after that Yeah, is the first time he shows up, he's just a gloved hand and he like rubs her shoulder under the blanket. She's like, Oh, thanks for getting the wood. <laughs> and then he just grabs her hair, pulls back and then straight razor across the neck mm-hmm. or box cutter thing, whatever it was. And then he immediately like scalps her. Or does he do it after he kills her? No, he scalps her right after. Yeah, I think immediately. Yeah, yeah I think so. Wow. Um, because after the boyfriend's hung, mm-hmm. well, it, regardless, he scalps her at some point. It all. <laughs> I felt like it all happened very quick. It was. Uh, um, boyfriend comes back, sees her. You know, he's like looking, and then he's grabbed from behind with like piano wire or whatever, lifted off the ground. So both of those people were killed via like throat cuttings and both of them screamed the entire time that the throats are being cut yeah and one guy was literally being held off of the ground by his throat being like piano wired oh i don't remember that and he was screaming screaming, out as he was screaming and as his vocal cords were being chopped in half yeah and so then the um the sex worker who he ends up strangling 
pleads her case the whole time she's being strangled. Please stop. Don't kill me. While his hands are around her neck. And he's got that crazy upshot on his face and his teeth. Just mm-hmm. that was a great shot. It's kind too. of our introduction to the psychotic side of him. Yeah. And at least with his face exposed. Yeah. And that was a great shot. But she was just speaking while, you know, theoretically she was being strangled to death. <sighs> stop. Help. No. Like she's doing all that the whole time. As he's like yeah. cutting off her airway. Exactly. So that happened three times in succession right. where people whose throats are being destroyed basically are able to speak or scream clearly. Yeah. And just like other ones we've watched from this time period, like Friday the 13th, that kind of realism has really come with time. Like yeah, these are kind of, sense. these are pioneering films in this kind of subgenre for yeah. North America. And you add kind of those realism as you go, you realize, sure. oh, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't look as good and effective. Right. And so I'm sure the 2012 remake doesn't have any of those shenanigans. It certainly doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And I can only imagine bringing this kind of gore up to, you know, 2012 level. It's almost too much wow like the scalpings are just literally you're inches away right because it's through his eyes Mm -hmm. right and it wouldn't be tom savini if we didn't get a little bit of blue skin (laughs) in those who are dead we got the the mom in the grave super blue just a blue zombie corpse jumped out of the ground and then also just one of the mannequins in that last scene yeah i so i assume tom savini thinks that the longer (laughs) you're dead the more blue your skin gets i think that's what accounts for it i think so yeah but even no because going back to dawn of the dead some people just turn blue instantly it seemed yeah you're right yeah no i think he he just associates death and right. blue and just depending on the lighting of the scene <laughs> another th- area where this movie kind of dropped the ball was some of the dialogue with the small talk of just non-main characters oh yeah like it was just really artificial and just oh what we have to film two people standing here what are they going to talk about and it just it, it was particularly unconvincing for it some was, reason yeah it was kind of nonsense yeah yeah like the two sex workers right at the beginning mm-hmm. is like oh man i just need one more trick to pay my rent yeah you should get one there's one go for it go for and it the two, and the two women the two nurses after their shift whatever being like wow it sure is cold out here yeah and l- yeah. not that talking about the weather isn't a genuine conversation just the way the choice of words and their performances maybe well yeah let's take it one step further and say there's the moment with the nurses where um is like, man, I would feel way better if they would catch that killer who's on the yeah, loose. Yeah, come on. And then it's like, yeah, you're right. You want to ride home? Nah. Nah. <laughs> and then like one second after she peels off, she just kind of looks around and she's impatient and then just like, screw it. I'm not waiting yeah. for this ride. I'm just going to start walking. Yeah. That's like, it. why didn't you take the ride if you're so impatient? Yes. Make, some, make some reason for that. Those are those are moments of true dropped ball. Yeah. Where, you know, your own line contradicts itself. Yeah. <laughs> and I get it. If you're, you're making a movie, you're doing it for super cheap. You're doing a lot of guerrilla filmmaking these aren't your priorities you're mm-hmm. not you're not thinking about the importance uh for the whole of no. just making sure that even the smallest details are as effective as the rest yeah. yeah you go fast you get you know you can do well with the movie but you're gonna drop the ball in little places like that yeah. and it's gonna be really obvious to the people watching yeah so yeah i do i do appreciate some elements of it it's yeah. definitely unique it's interesting it, it didn't it wasn't overly terrifying but there's definitely I think a lot here, a lot that's worth watching in this film. Yeah, I I really like it. I think just spending so much time on the killer and I I think pretty judiciously, slowly figuring out exactly why he's doing it Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, the gore amping up, you know, getting great moments, you know, a couple really great shots more than great sequences because, again, the sequences are a little too long for the most part. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I, what, I what an interesting it. way to start off slash of September too, because yeah. we are do we are with the killer the whole time. I imagine yeah. the rest of the ones that we're going to watch are more traditional in mm-hmm. what you think of with the slasher is we don't know who the killer is and we're trying to figure out. And that's yeah. part of the movie experience. Yes. And then when you finally see the killer, it's so exciting. And yeah. this one, it's just a no. very different feeling. Yeah. You know, just like kind of you're scared to see the main character yeah. on screen. You don't know what he's going to do. No, that's, that's cool. we're just like dusting off and just trying to understand what makes this maniac tick. Exactly. Oh, fuck. Slasher, September. Watch it, Slasher, September. Man, that guy. Okay. All right. That was a great movie. And great soundboard. <laughs> Yeah, I would describe it as a great soundboard. Thank you. Uh, let's go to some. Let's go to an Instagram comment, shall we? Instagram, Instagram comment one. <laughs> uh, do you want to? Sure, go for it. Uh, DBB Devil's Backbone. Sure, is that the one? Yeah, I think so. Just the one. Sorry, I don't have me. my thing up. Whatever I sent you, that'll be the one. Okay, <clears throat> here we go so we have a comment here on our devil's backbone post on instagram from dash against darkness oh i like that one mm-hmm. um this is my favorite del toro film you guys should watch chronos i notice you mentioned you've only seen his later films i like them still but i really love his old work so that didn't clear up whether or not norman Reedus is in chronos or mm-hmm. mimic which i really would have liked to know in that instagram comment rather than having to google it right that was your question <laughs> yeah um we spend so much time I, just and that we could have just googled it but we won't we will not um, only instagram can solve this problem yeah i was i was debating watching chronos this week i yeah i mean i totally agree that uh devil's backbone is my favorite del toro that i've seen too so i I'm, agree i'm yeah. much more inclined well, to want to see chronos now just yeah. to try to get more of that same kind of grand storytelling totally yeah i yeah. want more del toro features just because they're really really solid experiences to mm-hmm. go through i'd love to see where those start totally and i would say pan's labyrinth for me yeah still haven't seen that one so yeah um but I mean, that was just all freaking kookiness, right? Yeah. Like that's when he has the insane budget to just yeah. little, literally create an entire, you know, a fantasy re- realm, a real fucking fairy tale. That's real. Yeah. It's, yeah. But, and that's, but that's what I really liked about devil's backbone is how restrained yeah. that was like there, it plays an inextricable part of the narrative, but just to have that little kind of dose of it, just, yeah. it just satisfied me in such a, such a particular way. Thinking about it, just like in the vaguest terms, like, mm-hmm the ghosts could have not been there. Like if they had just found out the story, like if he just eventually found out the story from the friend rather than from the ghost. To- right? Yeah, no, that, totally. And that then, story would have gone about the same. It would have been, it would have been like kind of your standard drama that you yeah. would have attributed to other directors, but yeah, only the only ghost thing that physically changes anything is that the, when the doctor a guy dies, mm-hmm. he goes and lets them out of the room. He unlocks the door. Totally. But a huge part of that story, like building the mystery and curiosity is, um, the main guy, the main kids encounters with Santi, like sure. just constantly seeing this ghost, the ghost trying to approach him. You not understanding as a yeah, viewer, yeah. is this an intimidating for Like for me, it's like, it's a huge part of it. And oh, it, would, it would be, no, no, I know. It, it would be like a, a way lesser film if you didn't have that element in it. Yeah. I'm suggesting when you think about something like Pan's Labyrinth or Shape of Water or, you know, just another Del Toro movie with a big long, right. you couldn't, you weird. couldn't take those elements Exa- out of it. Exactly. This yeah. has more of a story that's enhanced yeah. by the, around yeah. a campfire, you could tell the story where there, the ghost may not have actually existed right maybe as simple as that yeah which is i don't know i think that's really cool about devil's backbone but i like fucked up kookiness Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that comment. Thank I'm you. I'm sure we will check out Chrono sooner than later. Thank you, Dash Against Darkness. Well, guys, thank you for listening to another super exciting episode of the Text Chris and Dave Saw Massacre. I'm David Stonebra. I'm Chris Vandenberg. And as always, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns. The mannequins aren't your mommy, Chaos Reigns. No, they're not. Sorry, guys. Next time, though. Bye.